Look at us. We're in a gold-class cinema today. We haven't even won tickets. <laughs> this is The Cinema Crew with Village Cinemas. This is going to work, Steve. I know it is. I don't know what I'm going to do if it doesn't. Today, it all comes to a close with Avengers Endgame. When the world blows up, I hope I go down dancing. I'll see Julianne Moore in literally anything. We'll be talking about Gloria Bell. I didn't think I would see you again. And fans of Downton Abbey are going to love The Chaperone. Hello, hello, hello. My name is Kyron Whitten. I've seen heaps of movies, but none of those. Luckily, Vary McIntyre and Michael Campbell hello. both have. As always, we have a Village Cinema's Gold Class Double Pass giveaway a little later on. But first... It's not about how much we lost. It's about how much we have left. We're the Avengers. we got to finish this. You trust me. I do. We spoke recently about Shazam, the new comic book movie from DC that is absolutely trying its best to be more like a Marvel film. Well, this week sees the release of Avengers Endgame, which is set to be the quintessential all-time absolute mega Marvel franchise king hit benchmark of a movie that comic book fans the world over have been absolutely filling their pants for, myself included. So it looks like some time has passed after the events of Avengers Infinity War. The universe is in ruins. Some of our favourite characters are just dust. And the remaining Avengers gather all their allies and they're trying to undo Thanos' actions and restore order to the universe. So there's no real way to talk about Avengers Endgame without spoiling all the other movies. So you need to keep that in mind if you're listening to this going in fresh because this continues immediately after Avengers Infinity War where, spoiler alert, Half the universe died, mm. and as far as setting up stakes, that's a pretty good, a pretty good level of stake to set up for an entire movie. They went the whole nine yards. <laughs> they got the evil guy to win, and how many movies that they've done, and they have to raise the stakes every time. How much more can you top that? Just let the evil guy win, and now we have to undo it all, which I don't even know how is possible. Yeah, well, even in the advertising for this film, they've they've really pitched it as if this is the culmination of every Marvel film that's ever been made. Yeah. You're either on the Marvel train at this point or you're not. And if you're not, this isn't the film to start with because not only has it got a multitude of characters, but it's halfway through a story as well. Do you think that this is like our modern-day equivalent of like The Empire Strikes Back? You know, that left on a cliffhanger and people had to wait even longer in that case, like three years, I think, to find out what happened. But they've, it's like serialized storytelling. They've left you on a cliffhanger and you've had to wait an entire year to find out how the hell they're going to get half the universe back. Yeah, so, I mean, no one's seen this film yet, but what are the big expectations of this movie? Like, what are the top three things that people are talking about? Marvel and the Russo brothers who directed it in particular, they're all about misdirection. So even what people are speculating, no one has a solid idea of what's coming to the point where in Infinity War, they put fake shots in the trailers to throw you off. Right. And now in this movie, everyone's like, well, is this even in the movie? Are they going to be walking in a line in those white and red suits or is that just to throw you off? Have they CGI'd someone in or out? Who knows? Normally that would frustrate me. But in this particular case, I love it. I love knowing nothing. I've stopped watching trailers. I've stopped watching TV spots now because just on the instance that I work something out, I think it's going to ruin it for me. So I go in as blank as I can to these things. So not only have you not seen it, but you know nothing about it. Oh, well, I know. <laughs> I, I know. Is that what you're telling me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. This the has been a great episode Marvel, uh, of <laughs> Marvel Expert over here. God, it seems like a thousand years ago. 
I fought my way out of that cave, became Iron Man. Realized I loved you. I know I said no more surprises, but I was really hoping to pull off one last one. Here's the thing, like, no one knows what the plot is apart from they need to reverse what Thanos did. Yeah. How? Sure no Bruce one knows. brothers know what the plot is. Well, yeah, hopefully. Hopefully yeah. they're across it. <laughs> and I love that people are so involved in this now that I think everyone's on board to be like, show me nothing. Show me as little as possible. So apparently the producer has come out and said that everything you see in the trailer or you haven't, Cambo, but everything that's in the trailer <laughs> is within the first 15 or 20 minutes of the film, so it's not actually spoiling anything if you watch them. So you can feel safe about that. Yeah. But on your point about what everyone's talking about, that I think there's a couple of things. Hairstyles and the quantum realm and maybe <laughs> using time travel and stuff. And I know Tom Holland said in an interview accidentally that the quantum realm will play a part in this. So I reckon there'll definitely be some time travel. Those white suits you were talking about from Ant-Man mm. will play a role. Well, they look really similar to the one at the end of Ant-Man and the Wasp. It is, the characters yeah, are wearing very like makeshift 70s versions mm-hmm. of those. Yeah. And then how Hawkeye and even Black Widow's hairstyles and colours change as well in the trailer. Can we talk so about, back and forth. Can we talk about Hawkeye's hair? It's the worst thing I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> he looks like a guy going through a midlife crisis. So the 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 yeah, common maybe he theory, is a guy that's gone through well, a midlife the crisis. Theory is, All his friends died. The common theory is he's got his little family on the farm. Mm. And the, the common theory is maybe they they dusted away when Thanos snapped his fingers and half the universe went. And so maybe he is going through a midlife crisis. Mm. But he's come back with like a sleeve tattoo and a weird kind of frohawk from the early yeah. 2000s. He looks like the kind of guy that would dress in Ed Hardy, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yeah. which is such a weird direction. And I love Hawkeye as a character. I think he's really underrated. But what's going on there? <laughs> and you mentioned time travel as well. Can I tell you what my dream would be? And this is... I suspect maybe they'll go this route and I really hope they do. Mm. Because this is supposed to be like a celebration of... All the Marvel movies that have come. It's 11 years, 22 films and 11 franchises all coming into one. If they're integrating time travel, how amazing would it be if they're time traveling to like points throughout the Marvel Cinematic Universe history and you're seeing the Battle of New York from the first Avengers again or maybe uh, the Sokovia attack from the second Avengers. How amazing would it be, almost Back to the Future 2 style, if they're (laughs) popping up in their own timeline throughout the movies? I think that would be such a crazy cool way to end it. Avengers start game. (laughs) (laughs) No wonder this is three hours long. Like they have to go through all that. Yeah, so strap yourselves in. He used the stones again. Hey, we'd be going in shorthanded, you know? Look, he's still got the stones, so... So let's get him. Use them to bring everyone back. Just like that? Yeah, just like that. Even if there's a, a small chance that we can undo this, I mean, we owe it to everyone who's not in this room to try. If we do this, how do we know it's gonna end any differently than it did before? Because before you didn't have me. Hey, new girl. Everybody in this room is about that superhero life. And if you don't mind my asking, where the hell have you been all this time? There are a lot of other planets in the universe. And unfortunately, they didn't have you guys. Again, everything I've seen of it so far, including its runtime, love it. I mean, that's that's pushing <laughs> to intermission stage. Yeah, yeah, that it's was like... the big debate, whether or not they'd have an intermission or not. And the, the Russes have been like, no, 
sit there and take it. Yeah. <laughs> so anyone who's watched all Lord of the Rings extended versions, three hours is nothing. That's, <laughs> that's a prologue. I definitely haven't. I kind of think that the Marvel movies at this point have become the new like Star Wars. Star Wars is started to fall out of favor a little bit with people and uh, the films aren't being as financially successful as they once were, but overtaking that as like the cultural pop culture icon. I think these Marvel movies are the new Star Wars and their fan base is like just as rabid as their Star Wars fan base can be, albeit less mean on the internet. It would be interesting how that looks in the future though because Star Wars can make up a character anytime they like, mm. whereas Marvel are based on a series of comic books going across decades in the past. Oh, there are so many characters of yeah. those <laughs> if, if you like, They have Ant-Man. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's true. They're, they're already kind of towards the bottom of the barrel. <laughs> what they do so well is they make you care about these characters that you shouldn't, like they shouldn't work. Groot shouldn't work. Rocket Raccoon shouldn't work. But the moment in which, again, slight spoilers, Groot and Rocket are separated at the end of the last film, it breaks your heart. It's a tree and a raccoon, but they make it work. <laughs> That's what I'm excited to see, all these disparate universes of like Guardians of the Galaxy and Avengers and that all coming together and meeting each other. So that's what I want to see. I kind of like the idea that uh, this is being pitched as like the, the culmination, the ending of this story, as if Marvel aren't going to keep on going after this, oh, as if yeah. this will ever really truly end anything. The ending of a story, hopefully. Let's hope this concludes the whole Thanos saga that's been going for years. But, I mean, Marvel's not stopping. They've already got Spider-Man coming out later this year. Yeah. What if they do an um, X-Men and use the time travel to go back right at the beginning and then we can just redo all the Marvel movies? <laughs> Reboot the entire universe. Yeah. So there's been 22 movies. All of those actors are sort of coming together at the end of this and the Russo brothers who've directed the last few. Is this the end for the Russo brothers? Is this the end for Robert Downey Jr.? Is this the end for Paul Rudd? I mean... Here's the thing, especially with or Jeremy Renner or <laughs> the rest of them. Look, if he's going to keep that haircut, it's the end for Jeremy Renner. Well, I expect, given that it's a hero villain story, that the heroes may win. So it's probably the end for Thanos. Yeah, yeah. But is it the end for Robert Downey Jr.? Do we know? Is it the end for these actors? If they put out another Ant Man, is it going to be Paul Rudd, or is it, or is it going to be like a Spider Man from now on, where it's like, oh, we're time, it's time for a new star? Yeah, funny thing you should say that about Spider Man as well. Apparently now Tom Holland has made the most appearances as Spider Man out of all movies about Spider Man. I reckon he's the best one as well. <laughs> And for Robert Downey Jr., he said that his contractual obligations are up. Yeah. He doesn't have to do them anymore, but he wants to. And, like, why wouldn't you? Because he's <laughs> so famous for it. It looks like it would be so fun to make these sorts of movies and he'd be raking in the cash. So maybe he'll sign, like, another 10-year contract or something. This is the most discussed film in the world right now. Everyone's talking about this, but who should see it? Well, given that it broke the world record for most single-day sales on the day the tickets were released, it seems like everyone so all of them is going to see they it. They should see it. Uh, I think it beat Star Wars was the previous record holder. So it seems like it has a pretty global appeal. But, I mean, seriously, this is for Marvel fans, isn't it? It's the payoff of 11 years of watching movies. And then because it's all sold out for the first, like, week or two, people who aren't such big fans will then see it later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Louise has recently been accepted to study dance in New York. She can't go without a chaperone. We haven't been able to find anyone. I'd like to propose myself. Honey, don't you think? I would. I'd like to go. I think we're going to have a wonderful time. 
<laughs> what did you think that they were gonna have their way with me in the dining car under the table? Men don't like candy that's been unwrapped. Elizabeth McGovern, who played the mum in Downton Abbey, stars in The Chaperone. And if you think it looks like the big screen version of Downton Abbey, that could be because it's the same writer and director. Perfect for those who've been missing a bit of 1920s drama in their lives. Yes, so this is, it very much lives in that Downton Abbey, everything that he writes, Gosford Park, all of Mm. those high society, well-to-do people with problems that aren't, you know, real problems, are they? (laughs) So this movie, it's set in the early 1920s and it's about Norma. She is a a middle-aged woman that decides to chaperone uh, an up-and-coming dancer as she travels to New York, kind of to take care of her because she thinks, you know, New York's a wild city. Who knows what's out there? I should go with her and uh, make sure that she's okay. So it's based on a book by Laura Moriarty from 2012, but it's about a real person called Louise Brooks and she was a 20s black and white silent film star. She was a sex symbol. She was a flapper icon and she was a little bit progressive. She had some feminist ideas and open sexuality, but as the title suggests, it's not really about her. It's not really a biography. It is before she becomes famous as a movie star, she was a dancer in this academy and it's more about the relationship that she has with Norma and their adventures, I guess, in New York and how she became the star. I'm not a Downton Abbey guy. I don't know if that surprises you at all. Mm. But, um, You're a guy. Well, <laughs> this world of like the high society, well-to-do people, I, this, there's like a disconnect whenever I watch these kind of movies because it always seems like all their problems are kind of easily solvable in a way. Like Downton Abbey, The Chaperone, all the problems that kind of come up, I'm like, oh, yeah, I guess this is... Well, Downton Abbey is about is a sort of upstairs, downstairs yes. type story. Yeah. So some of the problems are very real because they're, you know, about the people who are serving these elite and plays off those two things brilliantly. Does the chaperone manage to do the same thing? There's a little bit of tension, obviously, between the two women. One's older and one's younger and they have these differing values on on life and Louise is very ahead of her time, I guess. She's like, why can't I flirt with boys for free ice cream? I should be out in the world being a star of my own and not back in Wichita, Kansas, and where she's just going to grow up and, and marry the local farm boy or something. So she's got some very progressive ideas and Norma's a bit older and she's like, oh, no, you can't go outside by yourself. That's unladylike. Men don't like, and I think she quotes, um, candy that's been unwrapped. Yeah. Yeah, people don't want candy that's been unwrapped. She says that a few times. It's a really, really disturbing image. Yeah. So were you talking about Downton Abbey having the upstairs, downstairs, and Gosford Park has that a little bit as well. I think this is maybe missing mm. the downstairs part because there's no really like, – no, there's one character that's kind of a, a lowly janitor, but you're not really seeing things from a different perspective other than the the upstairs for the majority of the film. But for me, and again, this is just personal taste, that makes me – slightly disconnected from what's going on. I find it hard to empathize too severely with these characters because their life can be like difficult to navigate. And especially the young actress who's coming of age and one, she, she to me was kind of the more interesting character also played by Haley Lou Richardson, who we mm. talked about, who I, I think I gave like a glowing review of her performance in five feet apart. Mm. And she's just as good. I think here, she really got something. I can see why they cast her as a young movie star, but the, the chaperone, the title of the movie there was like a lack of energy or something. I, I felt a slight, eh. 
But it's, so if it's not about class and the differentiation between the classes, it's about age. Is it about those values changing with age and putting the chaperone, Elizabeth McGovern, up against Haley Lou Richardson? Yeah, it's definitely a character study about women's sensibilities in the 20th century and how that was changing during the 20s. You know, the previous year, the 1910s, women were wearing floor-length dresses and they would have their hair up in bonnets. I don't know. And then... Louise Brooks comes along and she has this iconic bob cut up to her ear and she's got this, the flapper dresses, which were very revealing for that sort of century. So she was really this forefront of women's freedom, I guess, and becoming this sex symbol and owning that and being comfortable in her womanliness. (laughs) And I guess her relationship with Norma is bringing Norma into sort of a a better century as well and being more comfortable. And I think the best part about the movie is their interplay. I think they work really well off each other because they are of like different generations and their chemistry is quite good. Mm. They're almost at points like frenemies where they both do get along, but they both have such different ideals about things where they they have these little bickering arguments. And that to me, I thought was like the, the bright star in the middle of the movie. Louise, did Floyd take advantage of you? She will need to prove that she can adhere to the moral code of Delachon. I didn't think I would see you again. You've been so kind to me and you had no reason. You took such a risk. A lot of people see these movies just because of how they look. It's 1920s New York. It's full costumes. Is it a beautiful film? It really is, yeah. What I love about all these kind of period dramas, even if they don't appeal to me, narratively or even in their characters, their art design is always so beautiful. And the streets of New York in the 20s, everyone in full suits, uh, the women in the beautiful like Sunday dresses, it's gorgeous. So who should see this film? I think this is a term I've used a few times, but it's a Nana film. It's the kind of thing I'd take my Nan to, she'd be like, that was lovely. The men were so handsome. The dresses are so pretty. I had a great time. So it, it falls into that category for me. Yeah, I think if you like Downton Abbey, you're going to like this. It does have more of a, a TV feel to it than a movie. But yeah, it's a good character piece and the relationship between the two women is just really charming. It also tied you over before the Downton Abbey movie comes out next year. Yeah. Also in cinemas this week, Curse of the Weeping Woman. Yes, the new film in the Conjuring universe. And Aftermath. The new Kira Knightley period drama about after World War II. You can hear about both of those by clicking on the previous episode in whatever podcast app that you're in right now. Love is in the air. You come here a lot? Yes. No, not a lot. I mean, sometimes. What's your name? Gloria. And I don't know if I'm being foolish. Hello? I don't know if I'm Are you asking me out? Ow, ow. You want more at the sides? Now, just quickly, because it is only in limited release, Julianne Moore is in a new film, and that sentence is enough for me to see this. Tell us about Gloria Bell. Julianne Moore plays a woman who's in her 50s. She's been divorced for 10 years. She's got two adult children. But rather than what you would expect maybe a midlife crisis to be, she's embracing this freedom that she's got instead of wallowing at home by herself in self-pity. She goes to clubs, she tries new hobbies, and then she meets this guy and, frankly, he's got too much baggage. But she really likes him and she's got to choose which path to follow. So my excitement for this film comes from a single letter and a single number, A24. So they're the studio we've talked about a bunch of times now and they always make some of my favourite movies of the year, Hereditary, um, Good, uh, Good Time, movies like this. They've got this real niche of you walk out of one of their movies and the first thing everyone says is, 
I've not seen a movie like that before. They're really good at making these weird kind of unique movies. And Gloria Bell definitely, like, what is it as a movie? It's not really a traditional narrative. It kind of lingers. It's kind of a slice of life film. But that's exactly what A24 do better than anyone else. This is actually the American version of a 2014 Chilean film. And it looks shot for shot if you've seen any of, you can see the trailer, I guess, the Chilean version. And it looks like they've just directly ported it over with just a different person in the role. The director and writer of the Chilean version has done this one as well. Yeah, so Sebastian Lillea is his name. He made the movie, I think last year, maybe the year before, called A Fantastic Woman. It won the Academy Awards about a transgender singer at a nightclub, also Chilean. Mm. He talked about this idea of remaking your own film and he said, I didn't feel the need to do like a shot for shot, but as he was directing scenes, he realised that how he directed it originally was the right way. And he's like, so it just ended up kind of matching up anyway because I realized my instincts were always the same. So I would go into it being like, I'm just going to direct this how I feel and how I felt was the same as last time I directed it. So it ended up being super similar. And there's even like montages of them side by side and they are almost exactly alike. But I would prefer that he did it that way and naturally discovered it rather than the last version of this I can think of as Funny Games. The same director remade his foreign film as an American film, shot for shot, and he was very meticulous about it being shot for shot. But it kind of lost something there because it felt so perfectly planned and nothing felt natural. So I like the idea that he just accidentally discovered his own movie again. Yeah, I didn't know it was a remake when I first saw it and it doesn't feel like that. So that's an interesting point you say because when you see remakes of especially European films which have such a different feeling to them, you usually go into it watching it thinking, oh, this, yeah, this doesn't feel Western American Hollywood. This feels like a European remake. But for Gloria Bell, it felt like completely new story. So who should see this film? Karen, as you said, if you love Julianne Moore, you're going to love her in this. She does such a naturalistic performance. She's really good in this role, very understated, but she really captures this woman going through this stage in her life, this freedom and this this joy that she has in in living. Yeah, or if, like me, you're an A24 junkie and you like these kind of slice of life uh, American indie films, and I think this one's a great example of that. For your chance to win a Village Cinema's Gold Class Double Pass, go to Facebook or Instagram and leave a comment on the Cinema Crew post answering the question. Well, Endgame is out this week. What is your favourite Marvel movie? Pop it in there with the hashtag the Cinema Crew and you could win. Next week, Charlie's Theron and Seth Rogen have a new rom-com set in the race to the White House. And Australian legend Miranda Tapsell's new movie Top End Wedding has been very buzzy. Lot of buzz. Anyway, that's next week. Until then, thanks, Cambo. Thank you. Thanks, Vari. Thanks. I'm Kyron Wheatley, and we'll see you, or at the very least you'll hear us, next week on The Cinema Crew with Village Cinemas. Listener.